podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bond, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast where we're not quite on the beach just yet because the Rams have secured a place in the championship playoffs. I'm Chris Parsons and with me as usual are two men who always deliver on a big occasion. <laughs> it's Tom Martin. Hi there. And Richard Gutcher. Hello. Uh, it's early May, it's episode 23, so we'll be basking in Derby's emphatic final day where we breezed past Barnsley to nail down that crucial top six spot. We'll have a chat once again with ex-Fulham striker and Derby cult hero Paul Pesky Salido to see what he makes of his two former clubs going head-to-head. And later on, we'll be joined by our podcast counterparts from Fulham to preview Derby's third playoff campaign in five years as they welcome the Cottagers to Pie Park this Friday night. However, before all of that, it's who ram I number 17, the getting game where Tom and Richard have to identify a Derby player from a series of clues. Past luminaries include Candido Costa, Spencer Pryor, oh. Mark Pembridge, <laughs> Jamie Vincent, all the leading lights. So do they, is this now like a, a, a who ram I playoff does it reset now and now it's just head to head best of three um, you, you, you would I, think you would think those might be the rules but that is not in any way true unfortunately well, it depends on how far we go we might have four or more podcasts remaining for the season so it's still a chance richard hope so doubtful anyway <laughs> the clue the opening clue for this podcast is i was born on the 10th of june 1984 Ooh, so he's youthful. 33 three years older than me mm. So have a think about that, and we'll come back to it at the end of the podcast. We'll bring in, uh, we'll bring in our Fulhamish counterpart as well. See, see if he can join in. See yeah. if he can beat you as well, Richard. I feel like that. <coughs> thanks. I feel like that's an early clue. I think this person's also played for Fulham. To matters more present, uh, Derby secured their playoff spot with a comfortable four-one win over Barnsley at the weekend, relegating the Tykes in the process with goals from Cameron Jerome, David Nugent, Tom Lawrence, and Matty Vidges, twenty-first of the season. I mean, Richard, you've got to give the team credit, really, for salvaging a season when it looked like the wheels were coming off just just a month ago if that absolutely they did actually respond to you know quite a lot of criticism from uh, fans media and, and and the manager as well Gary Rout wasn't holding back he was putting a lot of pressure on the team to respond and perform and they have done that you know they went through that awful run which we're all used to doing in February and March and we're fed up talking about it but they put in three big performances against two rivals for promotion and one team who are playing for everything on the last day of the season so it's a great time to be back into form and I think we said a month ago it doesn't look like we will get in the playoffs but if we do get in the playoffs it'll be because we found some form again and that's exactly what happened we've all seen the goals and it was two men who've come in from the cold somewhat who uh, made great contributions for the first goal Bradley Johnson and Cameron Jerome talk us through that goal for those who may not have seen it just yet yeah I mean no beating around the bush here like Cameron Jerome has been a poor signing until the last four, three or four games and suddenly he's turned into an absolute beast of a striker um, 
<laughs> Johnson finally has picked that ball up in the midfield, driving forward. Um, we all knew he could do that when he was at Leeds and when he was at Norwich. Um, driving forward and really slide uh, quality slide wall pass through to Jerome. He just beat off the defender. Took his time, absolutely hammered it home past the uh, goalkeeper at the near post. And that was the finish of a player who was in confidence. a lot of confidence, which well, we, we haven't seen. Finish. We gave Cameron Jerome deserved pelters, I think, uh, in the season. He'd only yeah. scored one goal in 2018 yeah. before he scored that brace against Cardiff. Yeah. But well, people have said he's the man for the big occasion and he's looked like he's up for it in, in the games against Cardiff, Villa the, and, um, uh, and Barnsley, hasn't he? On the more gloomy podcast that we had after uh, a defeat just before the Cardiff game, uh, things were... For reasons to be cheerful, I said there's only 14 months on a Cameron Jerome's uh, contract. Give that man another 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> Give him another one. Could Cameron Jerome be our Bobby Zamora? What do I tell you about not using that, that man's name on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was 4-1. Uh, goal shared on four different goal scorers. Vidura was 21st of the season. We were going to come on to the, the sort of player of the season chat but you know you made up for it especially coming off the bench as well Richard didn't even play the 490 and he still scored yeah absolutely and that's going to be a big we'll talk about previewing the Fulham game later on but that's going to be a big shout for Gary obviously is whether you bring Vidra back in but he hasn't sulked you know of any player in that whole squad who's been left out at some point during the season Matias Vidra is the one that has the biggest right to be upset about being left out because he hasn't done anything wrong I don't think Um, he's just been a victim of the system and the bigger picture uh, but he's come on, he's made a difference on the game when he's come on either later on or as on Sunday he came on in the first half and, and he, he put, got his head down and he delivered exactly like he always does. So it bodes well whether he starts or, or comes off the bench. It has, it has to be said, Tom, that, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, sorry. that as good as we were and as great as it is to have four goal scorers, Barnsley's heads completely went at 2-0, didn't they? They completely capitulated, basically. Well, I mean, there's a reason they're getting relegated, and it's not because they're well-renowned for knuckling down and battling. Um, they needed to do that on, on Sunday. Uh, we got the early goal, had a goal disallowed, and we're, we're fairly comfortable. I was quite surprised, actually, that Barnsley scored a uh, decent finish, to be honest. Uh, Wisdom should have shut them down, but I was quite surprised they scored. It didn't look a threat. They looked dead and buried at 0-0, which was... Yeah, pretty I, disappointing, I thought. I'd agree with Tom. And it, for me, it kind of does temper the result a little bit. Uh, temper mm-hmm. the, the fact we're in the playoffs. But it was a pretty easy game. We, we did the job. You can only beat what's in front of you. And yeah, we yeah. got the job done without any dramas, which is, you know, it makes a nice, pleasant change. Um, but Barnsley gave us so much space in midfield. Like, I feel like Bradley Johnson and Huddleston, they weren't really tested that much at all on the ball. There was no pressing. I'm sure we'll get pressed by Fulham. There was a moment, actually, now you mentioned that, which I've just remembered, when Bradley Johnson... The ball broke in the centre circle. Yeah, he won a big tackle. He won a big tackle, but then he just steamed through a couple of players and it yeah. was complete powder puff depending from Barnsley. They just, you know, and that, I think that was at 2 0 or maybe 3 0. Mm. And they're just completely gone by that point. And that will not happen in the playoffs, will it, at no. all? You know what? We were clinical and you need to be clinical. We'll need to be clinical in the playoffs. So the fact that those four players have scored, I think before we came on air, I said yeah. you wouldn't want, I can't think of another player I'd want to score more. You know, yeah. those four, the three strikers plus Tom Lawrence, they're the yeah. kind of players we need to know are bang in form and they appear to be. Now you said something earlier about Vidra and you said that he should, should be, he's got a right to be upset because he's been dropped uh, and maybe a victim of the system. Now, I don't think it is. I think it's Vauer trying to say, well, okay, teams have sort, sold us or know how we play. We play through Vidra. They've put two men on him and they've started kicking him. Even the, the sort of better teams in the division are, are targeting Vidra. So why don't we drop Vidra and see how else we play and see who else steps up. And it's great to see mm. Nugent um, step up. Feynman has obviously been quite impressive over the last month or so, despite uh, the team's general form. Uh, 
Jerome scoring the goals recently. So it's good to see we can play in many different ways. And I think that's the important thing. So I don't think Vidra's been dropped. It's a tactical switch. Uh, and a deliberate one. And I'm sure I'm sure that the Fulham squad will be wondering come Friday who is going to line up against them. They don't know if they're playing against Vidra or not. It's undoubtedly a good thing if we yeah. can stay in games and then bring Vidra on. Then yeah, we're undoubtedly going to be more of a threat in the last 20 minutes, aren't we? I think so. And I think that's a, a particularly good tactic. I think he was probably rested against Barnsley because it was fairly certain that we only needed a point. Um, but I do think it would be a, a good tactic away from home. Be a little bit more solid. Uh, have a bit more of a, a sort of working uh, stru- sort of structured midfield and then allow Vidra to come on should we need to, to loosen up and try and get, take the game to Fulham. Rowett has said earlier in the season, I seem to remember, that Vidra does tend to flag after mm. 60 or 70 minutes. So maybe he's thought, given the last half, yeah. <laughs> given the second half instead, when the game is more on an edge and perhaps then that's where he can be more effective. He has to start on Friday, but I could understand him not starting at Craven Cottage. Depending on the score on Friday. It's an interesting one. We'll come on to uh, to that selection quandary later on. What I wanted to ask you both about is an interesting one in the middle of the park. What's happened to Joe Ledley, do you think? He, he was a golden boy of Derby's midfields just a couple of months ago. Everyone is bringing out those stats about how good our record was with Joe Ledley. And now Bradley Johnson's keeping him out of the team. Yeah, it is a strange one. I don't think he's played... Has he played particularly terrible in that midfield during the bad run? I mean, he came out because of injury. My impression throughout most of the season since the run we had with him in the team when we won every game um, is I'm not sure how many games in a row he can put together and I wonder if there is a, a an injury issue there whether it's a niggle or something which is a bit more serious which means he does find it hard to play back-to-back games in the space of 10 days or something but but now Johnson's in the team and he's playing well he deserves to keep his place yeah. I, I, I don't think Joe Ledley lost form any particularly worse than other players in the team so what what do you think Tom? I, I agree I think it's it's difficult when Ledley picked up those injuries like niggling hamstring and back injuries and stuff and um, we did lose our shape and we lost our system we brought Johnson in to try and be a like-for-like replacement but they're two very different players so when Ledley's then come back in because he's been the better player over the season and so therefore he's, he's gained his fitness and he comes back in the team is sort of shifted slightly we're playing in a slightly different way uh, we're also not in as good a run and I think he has suffered from that the fact that the team isn't playing well as, as well around him do you think they're quite him, different players do you well. think him and do you think yeah. Huddleston and Johnson offer perhaps a better balance because Ledley is like that calming influence who plays easy five to ten yard passes mm. and doesn't lose the ball and Huddleston's kind of that player as well whereas Johnson is more you're like all action yeah more of a box-to-box Competent. wins headers yeah. crunches into tackles sort yeah. of a player maybe him and Huddleston offer a better you know, light and shade sort of balance. That passage yeah. that you just tried before about Bradley Johnson winning that tackle and then pushing through, uh, pushing through another two players, you wouldn't see Joe Ledley do that. Um, so it just depends tactically, I think, what kind of approach Gary Rout wants to take at the, over the weekend, over the two legs, in terms of which player gets the nod. Because, yeah, you're right, Johnson's a bit more uh, old-school box-to-box, gives you a bit more energy in midfield, which you might need. But then if we're getting pressed a lot, maybe Joe Ledley's current influence might be more useful yeah. as well. So... I mean, I'm not a tactical genius, as you may have no. realised. But um, <laughs> no, uh, no, funny enough, <laughs> surprising. Uh, and uh, so we'll get, wait and see. But they are different players, give you different options. So uh, we'll wait and see. But if they're both fit, then it gives him a decent headache to have. So yeah, Derby v Fulham this weekend. Derby's third playoff campaign in five years. Who do we think we could speak to who has insight of Fulham, Derby County, and the playoffs? You've spoken to him earlier on this season. It's a friend of the podcast, Paul Pesky Salido. You there, Pesh? I am indeed. How are you? 
Good, we're good, we're good. It's good to hear from you. I understand you're on the golf course, so we won't take up too much of your time, but uh, it's, no great to, it's great to get your insight. Um, now, we wanted to ask, really, you've been in that dressing room several times during the playoffs for Derby and for other clubs. How different would you say it is to the regular season, those games? It's a completely different aspect. You know, your whole season, all that hard graft has got you to this stage. And there's, you know, potentially three games left before you get to, you could get to the Premier League. So there's a lot at stake. Um, but the key for the manager is to keep them calm, keep them uh, playing the way they have all season, preparing themselves correctly and make sure they go into the games and, and, and don't leave anything out there on the pitch. You know, really make sure that uh, you're ready to go because these opportunities don't come along that often. So uh, make the most of it. They have, obviously, talking about the atmosphere in the dressing room, do you remember any particular memorable team talks uh, during the playoff games during your career? I, I think probably one of the better um, chats, I think Kevin Keegan did one when I was at Fulham that was uh, pretty impressive. can't remember the aspects of it. There was also um, Neil Warnock, who you can imagine. He, he's one of the better team talks. You know, He's very uh, animated and passionate, and he really makes sure that, uh, that you're pre- prepared for the game. And uh, Listen, it's not about the team talk, though. It's about the players, how they prepared uh, for the game, coming up to the game, how they prepare themselves mentally and making sure that uh, you know, when that whistle goes, that they're, they're ready to go. So Derby famously... Well, last promoted when you were playing for the club in 06-07. Winding back all the, you know, winding back the uh, the years to that to that campaign when Derby beat Southampton in the semi-finals and then West Brom in the final. Do you remember much about the, uh, you know, the occasion there? Who were the big characters in the in the dressing room at Pride Park who really helped like get the team over the line over those three games? Yeah, well, listen, you know, there was a lot of senior players, you know, the likes of Darren Moore. It's important you've got that because these guys have done it before. They been in that situation in order to prepare themselves and it's important to calm the younger players down and to make sure the occasion can get to them. There's a lot of experience in that team wasn't there Pesh? The likes of yourself, uh, Darren Moore, Matt Oakley, Craig Fagan, Steve That's Howard. Steve it's it's, Howard. Yeah, it's, it's those sorts of players you need to uh, you know to, to keep calm heads and, uh, and and make the most of that situation. I think you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right I think uh, you know the manager like I said he does what he has to do off the pitch but you got to have those generals on the pitch when the game goes and uh, you know, are able to, to, to um, you know, give instruction or, or motivate whatever they need to do on the pitch. It's really essential and uh, probably the reason, like I said, that, uh, that we got promoted that season. Uh, who do you see being the big key players for, for both teams in, in this semi-final coming up? Cool. That's a tough one. I, th- I think whenever you look at it, you're looking at your goalkeepers. Both goalkeepers will be uh, influential. You want them to really come out and demand and uh, command rather and... Uh, Make sure they save what they need to save. You look kind of through the spine of the team, you know, your, your centre halves, and then your goal scorer. I know Mitrovic has been on fire for Fulham, so uh, he's going to be certainly a, a danger man. Looking at, at Derby County, uh, whether it's Cameron Jerome, he's been experienced, he's been in the situation before. I think he will be quite the handful and motivated and ready to go. But, uh, you know, you hope that Vitra turns up on the day and you get solid performance from an experienced player like Tom Huddleston so uh, and Curtis Davis at the back. So it's kind of your spine players and, you know, that's why you look at both teams and, you know, you'd have to say the more experienced players are down the spine. Now, I know, uh, I know when we spoke to you earlier this season, Pesh, I did ask you who you prefer to go up between uh, Derby, Fulham, Sheffield United, Sheffield United out of the picture now, and I know you wouldn't commit to an answer then. But um, in terms of the the, sem- the semi final, those four teams, who who are you, who are you tipping to? Uh, you know, who do you think's got the best chance of succeeding? 
Oh, you know what? I I don't think you can put it down to that because you kind of you, you overlook the season altogether. This is four teams. It's the team who can perform on the dates. Usually, the team that's in form. Looking at the four teams, the team I enjoyed probably watching the most in terms of the brand of football was Fulham. Um, and they were on a ridiculous run of form, but that loss against Birmingham might mm. just have dented that. Um, you know, Derby have come in the last couple of games when it was really, you know, quite crucial that they picked up points and did that. So on the crest of that wave, it could get them motivated. And you look at the, the experience in the managers with Steve Bruce and with uh, Tony Pulis, it's, um, you know, they've been there, seen it, done it. So it's it's going to be difficult. It's just too close to call. It really is. It, it could seems, be any of the four. It seems tight. It seems tight. Well, uh, Pesh, we'll leave it there. We'll let you get back to the fairway. Um, thanks again for right. uh, giving us your time, and we'll speak to you again soon. Pleasure. So after the break, we will speak to our, as we said, to our podcast counterparts from the Fulhamish podcast, and we'll read out your tweets. We simply put it out there. How do we beat Fulham? It's that simple. Had some great responses to that. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, or you can drop us an email, stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com. And we'll see you after this. Now again, there's Villas, Asanovic, Daly! Darby have equalised. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. So, as we said, it's Derby County v Fulham in the Championship playoff semi-finals this weekend first leg at Pride Park on Friday second leg at Craven Cottage on Monday and uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by our podcast counterparts from the Fulhamish podcast we've got uh, Dom Betts here how you doing Dom? Hello how you doing mate? And Jack Collins you right, Jack? Yeah not too bad mate how are you? Good to speak to you both so well you, you sound just about in, in good form given what you experienced on Sunday you, you over that one yet or is it still stinging a bit? I mean I think the most annoying thing is obviously the Cardiff result itself I think if Cardiff went like 3-0 up in the first five minutes, then it really wouldn't have been a problem. Like, okay, we're just going to be playing the playoffs. But because Cardiff dropped points and a 0-0 with Reading at home, it feels a really big missed opportunity considering our awful record in the Football League playoffs. It's very much of what might have been, isn't it? But, uh, you know, we've all been there, us, us especially. But what I wanted to ask you, Jack, was I was thinking about this game and who's under more pressure, really. Uh, and people say that the playoffs is like a lever and a lottery and that sort of thing. And I was thinking that there is a fair amount of pressure on Fulham, really, isn't there? Given the season you've had, and I was thinking that if Fulham don't go up, don't go up in the playoffs, there is a fair chance you could lose the likes of, of, uh, of Ryan Sessegnon and Tom Kearney, and obviously Mitrovic is is only on loan as well. Is that how you guys feel? I think there's always an element of that, and there's always going to be a you know fear that your best players are going to get pinched in the championship because you know lower league Premier League type play, uh, lower league Premier League teams are always going to want those kind of players in their squad and you look at you know Huddersfield last year and picking up basically the cream of the championship and and managing to well just about looks like they're going to stay up this season so when you put it like that I suppose there's always a fear that if you don't go up you're going to be raided I think right now it feels disappointing to be a Fulham fan given the circumstances that unfolded on Sunday but ultimately if you'd offered us this in December we would have snatched a handoff for it. We would have snatched a handoff for sixth. We're so, saying we're saying before we came, uh, before we recorded, that if you put Derby's start to the season or Derby between September and December, yeah. along with Fulham from December to May, then that team would have walked the league basically, wouldn't they? Come but, the best ever championship team. <laughs> yeah. we, can't, we can't really manage a decent season between us. No, but. exactly. <laughs> well, well, that's, football doesn't work like a Frankenstein monster. Though. That's not how it actually <laughs> yeah. works, unfortunately. If only. So what, what actually went wrong against Birmingham then? Was it just that they were fighting for their lives or did you guys not turn up or...? 
there was a lot of factors I think the the pitch was one and, and that's been mooted by a couple of the Fulham players that it just our passing game didn't work because the pitch was so dry and you know there, it feels a lot like they're giving excuses to that regard but at the same time it was absolutely scorching in Birmingham mm. on Sunday and then you know on top of that they didn't walk the pitch they obviously do play a kind of direct long ball system and that's no you know I'm not criticizing them you have to play you know to your strengths especially when you're scrapping for your lives and it just didn't really suit us we didn't we weren't able to really play our natural game the ball kept holding up you know players kept falling over and you know it suited them more than us that said we looked knackered looked absolutely shot and a lot of players you know it considering it was what was supposed to be one of the biggest games of the season didn't really look up for it, which is slightly worrying. So, let's go around. Don't water the pitch. And, and dig it up. Ho- hopefully, Derby will have its own microclimate on uh, Friday night. <laughs> Mike- they talked about this about uh, the Millwall game. They were saying there's a difference. You know, Millwall didn't, you know, also didn't water the pitch, and it didn't. They didn't want it to be a slick surface either. But at night, it also always mm-hmm. is cooler and and dew and and all those things, and that kind of helps. So, but also, you know, you don't play that you know unbelievably long ball football it yeah. doesn't suit you and it won't it's not one of those things where destroying the pitch for us is is also going to help you in the way that it helped Birmingham so I don't I don't foresee that being a kind of thing again well the uh, the odds aren't really in Derby's favour Derby having finished finished sixth in the championship Fulham third Villa fourth Middlesbrough fifth and Derby sixth Derby were actually fifth a couple of times on the last day weren't they mm. but results six minutes yeah didn't go against them but anyway looking back on the on the playoffs a sixth place team hasn't won the championship playoffs since Blackpool in 2010. Before then, it was uh, West Ham in 2005. Uh, they won it as a sixth-place team. And Crystal Palace in 2004. Was that after their unbelievable run where they were yeah. bottom of the table? Andrew Johnson's Christmas. season. Yeah. yeah. Roy, was Roy Keane involved at some level? <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> give him credit for it. Yeah, I'll give anything for Roy Keane. Yeah. Dom, the, um, the stats do seem to suggest that you know the playoffs are... A bit of a lottery. Um, from uh, I've got to credit Stuart Forsyth on Twitter for this one because he, he tweeted that in the 29 seasons when the playoffs have been introduced in their current format, at least the uh, the third place team have gone up ten times, the fourth place team six times, uh, the fifth place team eight times, and the sixth place team five times. But it seems to us that the playoffs are basically about who handles the occasion better, really. Yeah, I mean, it's basically who holds, who can hold their bottle for me. I mean, it's, it's literally a one in four chance. You could put a Burton or a Sunderland in the playoffs and had every much of a chance as anyone else because it's just... You reckon? That's not, that's <laughs> not going mad. I mean, no, but I mean... They would I mean, against I, us. Yeah, yeah, Sunderland I mean, it, beat it, Wolves 3-0 at the weekend. <laughs> True, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's a hard one to, to talk about, to sort of predict but I mean of course the third team you would expect to go up in Reading got to the final last year I don't know how they finished third but obviously they got to the final last year but it's just Fulham's ability to not handle in the big games I've been saying it at at work literally the last two days like we can go 23 games unbeaten but if you can't win the game you need to win why does it what does it matter I mean going back to our performance on, on Sunday I thought the only players he played above four were probably Kevin McDonald and Tim Ream I thought Tom Kearney as a captain was a disgrace had his head down as soon as we went 1-0 down, wasn't putting captain-like performance in, but all the players seem to be tweeting, oh, we're, we're really sorry, we're going to be so up for it on Friday. I, I don't care, well, you should have done it, you should have been like that on Sunday, but I think it's going to be a really tough game because obviously your record in players is not the greatest, our record in players is not the greatest, <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> we've, g- never, we've never won a playoff game, ever yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, we lost one Br- leg. yeah, we lost to Bristol Rovers, we lost to Grimsby, and we lost to Reading last year. Yeah. 
But I mean, the game we had at Pride Park this, um, this season was a very good game. I mean, we, I thought we were quite lucky to win that game, to be perfectly honest. Obviously, we, we took two early goals and that put, put us in the ascendancy. But then once you got a goal back, I thought you were going to get another. But I think that was showing the sort of resilience we've showed this season. But yeah, it's the playoffs, so you never really know anything happened. Luckily, this season, we've got the uh, home leg second. Yeah, I thought Fulham were outstanding in that second half against Millwall. But in the first half, they lot of pre- dealt with a lot of pressure, um, but they came back and bounced back well. Now, when Derby almost went up and probably should have done in 2014, we did something very similar. We used to um, often come in at half-time, one all or one nil down, and then we had real character and we used to batter teams uh, in the second half and come away with excellent results. Um, are you worried that it could be a similar knock-on effect to what happened to Derby in 2014? But by which we mean, yeah. you know, could, could you have a, a hangover, a hangover yeah. from... You're clearly, you're clearly the second-best team in the league this season. I think that yeah. in footballing sense we were. You know, to a point, the league table never lies. And, and, and that's what, you know, you have to come out at the end and, and, and say. And, you know, while Cardiff don't play an attractive brand of football and they didn't, you know, win many fans or friends with their kind of style, you know, they ultimately they did enough and, and they did what they needed to do to get up. And... You know, you kind of got to commend it. And much as we've been, you know, slagging off Warnock and, and giving him all, you know, the credit that he is due, um, but he, you know, he's been been given a lot of stick by us. But you know, he's he's done it again. He's brought another team up. And while I don't think that Cardiff are equipped for the Premier League next season, and they're going to have a very tough campaign unless they sign unbelievably well, you know, I, you know, they've done enough, and Fulham didn't. And ultimately, that means we're the third best team in the division. Mm. And yeah. it's sad to say, and it's you know, all well and good us battering teams and beating Wolves but we started the season so badly that it was almost like a non a catch-up job from from day one and we did you know very well to be in the position we were in in the end anyway but you know we came up ultimately just short that said you don't go 23 games unbeaten by being terrible and on our day we can beat everyone in this division that, but on that, our I day we can fact. also lose to everyone in this division 100%. because I mean we <laughs> lost to Burton and Sunderland away in the first half of the season like on that train back from Sunderland away like the three hour or three and a half hour direct train back to London I think I've never been more depressed after a football <laughs> game, except for maybe the Europa League final. I was like, how have we genuinely lost to a team we haven't won at home in an entire year? And I mean, it's not like we deserve to really get anything out of the game. We were awful. Same with the Burton away game. It's like, you can't... Ex- and like, obviously people look to the QPR and Brentford games at home where we can see like uh, we've bottled a 2-0 at home to QPR. We uh, see in the last minutes at Brentford. But we also scored late minute, last minute always away from home. We scored them at Barnsley. We scored them at Middlesbrough. We scored them at Preston. So I think it's just, yeah, ra- swings and roundabouts, really. I think the league table just does justify how your season's gone, really. Like you like you said, you had a great sort of start or good first three or four months of the season, but obviously you didn't keep that up. So I think, yeah, the league, we are where we deserve to be. The league table, as, as everyone knows, is what is justified over the 46 games. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs anyway. And we asked you guys out there on Twitter, the listeners to Steve Bloom is watching, how you think it's going to play out. And we, the question simply was, how do Derby go about beating Fulham over two legs had a good number of responses as Stephen said on Twitter get right in their faces and bully them be cynical and downright <laughs> dirty if we need to do a job on Kearney and stop him dictating play get the ball quickly to the front and run at their lanky defenders <sighs> try, try, our centre back's so. five foot nine <laughs> <laughs> like without being funny like, I don't know who he's, he's thinking about I don't know who he's thinking about there but <laughs> anyway uh, Rob Wilcoxon said um, make sure that Sessegnon Mitrovic and Kearney don't have two legs um <laughs> I see, I see a pattern forming here, if I'm honest. Well, mate, um, to be fair, the games we've lost, that's how we've actually lost is playing against the physical sides. We saw that against Birmingham. They were playing Route, route 1 football, a very effective Route 1 football, and we didn't really know how to deal with it. I mean, Dennis Adoy had an 
awful game. Djokovic was all over him. Obviously, he is five foot nine. I, I, don't care, <laughs> I don't care if he's five foot nine. You're playing centre back, and he's, there's a there's a certain moment in the first half where the ball's coming into him, and he lets it bounce. I'm like, you're playing a striker who's like six foot three. Why are you letting the ball bounce? So Cameron Drone could be a good weapon against you, boys. Well, then yeah. Slav apparently so, wanted him in the summer. So, so really? yeah. So, so I so I heard. Yeah, we just had a few more responses here. Uh, Sam Mace said attack them when we played them at Pride Park we had a goal disallowed and almost equalised in the last minute uh, if we play 3-5-2 we can swamp them um, Stair35 at Stair35DCFC on Twitter said Fulham will want to dictate through Kearney Rowett with five at the back either has the options of squeezing Kearney with Johnson knowing he has three centre-backs behind him or look to sit or look to sit back and give Kearney the ball hoping Sessegnon or Fredericks bombing forward leaves space for Vyman and Lawrence just a few more here as well while we're, at, we're on the subjects uh, Derby retweets and said Twitter said uh, start Vidra at home in the same formation we finished as on Sunday Kevin James Wood said we have to take the game to Fulham the same way we did to Cardiff if we sit off Fulham they will destroy us we need to keep Kearney quiet he's an exceptional talent Tom Fryer said we're underdogs there's a lot, there's a lot less pressure Fulham are beatable as shown on Sunday uh, plays we have done the last three games we've got a good chance Roy McHugh said start strong attack early keep going try to get a few goals cushion in the first leg no big deal just get a few goals cushion <laughs> uh, play with passion and determination and uh, Gurmi Chera I'm saving the best till last he said uh, don't try to defend we won't be able to do it so sod it and just concentrate on attacking <laughs> Score more considering, goals. considering that our whole de- season's been built on defending, I think we might constantly. Out the window. I we're going we to win 17 16 in aggregate over two legs. What is the, <laughs> oh, are we going to do a prediction? What other scores in the first leg going to be? I'm just not optimistic. I, I wish I was, but I'm not. I think we'll get a draw in the first leg, and I think we'll lose by two goals in the second leg. I'd love to say something different, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. Tom, what about you? I'm bringing back the Nuge from last April when he ran by it against Fulham and scored a hat-trick. So, a hat-trick for Nuge. Uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, I'm quite confident for Friday, but I think overall Fulham will edge the, the time. So, 4-3 and I could go. Jack, what about you? I think we'll draw on Friday. I think that's probably a fair prediction. And I think that Fulham might not like that pressure at home. Bear in mind, we went into the second leg last year with a draw and managed to then come away with... You know, a, a really horrible one. They were lost away to Reading, and I know the, the you know locations are reversed this year. But I don't know how much pressure, how much we'll like that pressure on Monday night, and and we'll see. I think if a, if you do come out with a draw on Friday night, it's very much anyone's game. Dom, uh, prediction from yourself? Uh, I think Friday will be the same result. Probably I think we'll get a two-one victory. Um, I think it'll probably be similar. We'll probably we'll, we'll probably want to get a goal early, just settle our nerves. So I'll say two-one, and then. Second leg, anything can happen because obviously all the pressure is going to be on us. If you're losing, there's not going to be much pressure on you. That means you're probably going to be a play your game. So I'm going to I'm going to say t- I'm going to say two one and then a two two in the home leg for us. I'm going to say two one Derby first leg because I feel I have to. <laughs> I, feel we, I think we have I think we have to take a lead down to the cottage. I, I really think I could see Fulham putting three past us uh, at the cottage. So I'm going to say two one first leg and I think we'd probably get turnover again and a thoroughly demoralising second. Yeah, leg. probably. Um, After all the optimism <laughs> of the first day, as it slowly I mean, dissipates. My, my main hope is not how we played on Sunday; is how you guys played on Sunday. My my big hope is that you are do have some kind of hangover, or you still look knackered. Yeah, um, that's that's my only real hope. We touched we touched on it a bit before, Jack. Fulham are it's fair to say the firm favourites over two legs, having finished thirteen points ahead of Derby after 46 games so give us something to cling on to where, where, where can Derby hurt Fulham there's a lot of places I'm you know I'm not as confident as those odds suggest that, that I should be and I think rightly so you know bear in mind we went into the playoffs although we finished sixth last year as favourites and we just got 
you know, absolutely done over two legs. Reading had our number. We didn't know how to play against them, and it, it all went a bit wrong. If we play anything like we did on Sunday, you'll beat us over two legs. It's as simple as that. You know, we've got, I've got a hope, you know, from a Fulham perspective that they can turn around, look at each other today and go, boys, we really, really, really messed that up. Because after the Sunderland loss that Dom mentioned earlier, they've said that there was a meeting and they had a meeting in the dressing room amongst themselves and they were like, what is going on? What are we doing? Why can't we, like, win? And then we went on this 23-meter unbeaten run. So I'm hoping that... You know, the, there was points during the unbeaten run where it started to become feel a bit, and this is going to sound really arrogant, so it feel like a bit like a burden on the players in that they were like, oh, we can't lose. Like It was almost like, you know, with the one, especially against QPR and Brentford, where it was like, oh, we've got to run into the corner. And it was like 84 minutes. And we were like, what are you doing? Like, you, you mad. You, you end up drawing too many games. And then you sort of end up, it wasn't so much, we didn't Been end there. up drawing them, but you, we'd, we'd invite pressure onto ourselves. And sometimes we got away with it and sometimes we didn't. But I'm hoping that now that streak is over that that pressure to kind of maintain the run goes and, and that we can start playing that kind of free-flowing, expansive football that got us to where we were in the first place. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We're not going to let you go just yet. We want you to join in the ridiculous game that we played at the end of each podcast, yeah, which you may or Sounds may good. not be able to contribute to. Uh, so it's a guessing game where Tom, Tom and Richard have to guess the identity of a Derby County player from a series of clues. Okay. It's called Who Ram I? Clever. I get you. <laughs> I, see what, I see what you've done. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what happens is I read out a clue. Yeah. And when I finish reading out the clue, if you think you know the answer, say your name. And the person who says their name first gets to have a guess. All right, cool. You have one guess per clue. Yeah. And uh, any any questions? No, that sounds good. No. Yeah. Let's go okay. ahead with it, shall we? So the... <laughs> less faffing. So the clue I gave Tom and Richard at the start of the podcast was this... Uh, I'm a Derby County player, and I was born on the 10th of June, 1984. Tom? Scott Carson? Incorrect. Richard? Curtis Davis? Also incorrect. Is it a current Derby player? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Clue number two. I was born in Croydon. Dom? Dean Leacock? Oh. Dean Leacock? Oh, it's probably a bit... Yeah, bit it's the correct oh. answer. Oh. Dom! <laughs> yes! Sorry, as soon as you said Croydon, I said, no, it was Dean Leacock. Yeah. <laughs> So you, are you a Croydon boy yourself? No, I just I'm from South London. Though, so you just know everyone that's close. from Croydon. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know. Dean Lee, Kate 30, Moss, only 33. It's yeah. Fulham Youth isn't he? Academy product yeah. and legend. No, he's not a legend. He was yeah. awful. He's in our promotion team. I made a cool nine appearances for Fulham between 2001 and well, 2006. Did he play in that awful 2-2 in 07 08? Yeah, he's, I think he scored in that game. I f- yeah, I feel I like he did. I think he did. Yeah. No, he didn't, did he? I think he no, I think he scored an own goal. I think Villa he or Villa scored. scored. More likely. <laughs> and, then, and then I think he might have scored an own goal, which is the thing that sent you down, maybe. But yeah. To say he got found out in the Premier League is is somewhat of an understatement. <laughs> yeah, great hair, <laughs> though, didn't he? He did. Great bandana. Yeah. Yes. Don't see many bandanas yes. nowadays. Yes. Uh, the the Sochi brothers, they had bandanas, didn't they? Do you remember them? Yeah, it's crew Alexandra. That's yeah. two. That's Unbelievable. <laughs> Dean Leacock, Dom Steam straight in and beat. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I think I think that's worth ten points. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, you've won for the season. So anyway, uh, Dom, Jack, thanks ever so much for your time. No Catch worries. us on social media, as I said, at Steve Bloomerpod on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, and email. And please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. We should be back at some point later in the season, either for a season review or after the first leg, and we'll speak to you again soon. 